Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. If you could please open your Bibles... And I want us to read together from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to read verses 23 through to 32. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through to 32. I know it's not Communion Sunday uh, today. But I have been impressed by the Spirit of God to share one of the foundational values of the kingdom of God, and that is the value of judging ourselves. The value of judging ourselves so that we would avoid or escape God's judgment coming upon us. This principle that I will be teaching on today is spelled out in Paul's epistle to the Corinthian church when he addresses them in reference to receiving communion as they gather together around the table of the Lord. So let's read this portion of scripture together. I am reading from the New King James Version. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Let me say this at the outstart of my teaching, that not much attention or teaching is done along this subject, and I think that as ministers of the gospel, we are doing an injustice to the church if we fail to teach on this vitally important matters. 
I understand, of course, that this is a very sensitive issue and one that we would rather as preachers avoid because none of us want to embarrass or confront anyone about their sin. The problem, though, is that God sees us as one body, not as separate individuals. And what one member does ultimately affects the rest of the body. The Bible says that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Furthermore, the Apostle Paul teaches that ministers of the gospel are commanded to first of all reprove and rebuke before they exhort God's people. So, I have been giving a lot of thought and meditation lately on the words that Paul wrote to the Corinthians when it came to the table of the Lord and particularly receiving communion in an unworthy manner, as he calls it. Now, what does it really mean to receive communion in an unworthy manner? I know there are a couple of interpretations on this subject, but one of the primary ways that we do so is by receiving communion without examining and judging ourselves as we are instructed by the Lord to do so. In other words, we are soft on our sin and very tolerant of our failures. In other words, we refuse to take responsibility for our actions or face up to our constant failures. By doing that, we esteem lightly the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary for each one of us. Many years ago, when I first got saved, and God began to deal with my selfishness and my sin, I came across a poem that I read in a book I was reading at the time. The Holy Spirit used that poem to rip my heart open at the time, and my soul began to experience wave after wave of godly sorrow for my sin and my selfishness. Now, I'm going to read that short poem to you, and please uh, bear with me because it's written in the ancient English language. And this is how that poem went. I see the crowd in Pilate's hall. I mark the wrathful mien. Their shouts of crucify appall with blasphemy between. And of that shouting multitude, I feel that I am one, and in the din of voices rude I recognize my own. Twas I that shed the sacred blood, I nailed him to the tree, I crucified the Christ of God, I joined the mockery. And around the cross the throng I see, mocking the sufferers groan, yet still my voice it seems to be, as if I mocked alone. That very poem, I recall, ripped my heart open 
and made me realize that it was my very own sin that nailed the Lord Jesus to the cross. I believe when we come to the full realization that it was our sin that crucified the Lord of glory, we will have a different perspective of the sacrifice that Jesus made to purchase our redemption and our forgiveness. We won't think so lightly of our sin anymore. We won't try to excuse it, but be firm and strong in judging it as the Apostle Paul instructed us to do. We won't make light of the suffering or the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus either. Paul said to the Corinthians to examine themselves first, judge themselves in those areas that they failed to live right, so that they would escape God's own judgment coming upon them. If they would do that and face up to their sin and failures and repent, God will grant them mercy and forgiveness and will not judge them. They would be strong, they would be healthy, and they would live out the full length of their days without dying prematurely. You see, if you are a Bible scholar and you read the epistle to the Corinthians, both epistles, you will see that the church in Corinth had many issues which needed correction. There was a lot of strife in the church, a lot of envy and jealousy and division among them. They were suing one another in civil courts, and they had one particular case where someone was living in an open sin before everybody in the church, sleeping with his stepmother, and yet they tolerated it and they put up with it. In other words, they did nothing about it. It is obvious from what Paul tells us that the Corinthians failed to judge themselves in those areas, that is why they faced God's judgment because Paul says many of them were in a state of chronic sickness, they were in a state of weakness, and some, he said, have died prematurely. Now, I believe we need to have a healthy perspective when it comes to God's judgments. Does God judge his people today in the New Testament? I believe scriptures tell us that he does, if we fail to judge ourselves. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, Peter says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? We often pray and we ask the Lord to judge unrighteousness in our government officials, unrighteousness in others, but very often we fail to judge our own selves. We readily see the speck in the eyes of our brother, but fail to see the beam in our own eyes according to Matthew chapter 7. Again, the word of the Lord says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 30, the Lord will judge his people. 
This is New Testament language. It's not Old Testament. This is an area that we need to pay careful attention when it comes to judging ourselves, taking responsibility for our actions, and facing up to our sin and shortcomings. Not just sins of commission, but also sins of omission as well. James says in James 4.17, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now, if we would do that in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord, I believe we will avoid God's judgment coming on us. God is patient with us. God is tolerant with us. But if we fail to judge ourselves in certain areas where we continually missing it, we can be sure that sooner or later God's judgment will fall on us in one form or another. Sometimes the judgment of the Lord is the withdrawal of His presence. And sometimes we're not even aware of it. Now, the way we judge ourselves is by examining ourselves. Well, we are not to examine anyone else, not to examine our brother, our pastor, our churches, our parents. We are to examine ourselves. And the only one that we have a right to judge, the Bible says, is ourself. Be your own judge. And don't allow yourself to be soft on your sin. Judge your sin before the Lord. Especially sins of the Spirit which are not easily discerned. David often prayed along those lines, asking the Lord and crying out to God to search his own heart and his own soul. In Psalm 139, we read in verse 23 and 24, as David cries out to the Lord, asking for mercy and forgiveness, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. You know, another verse of Scripture in the book of Psalms says that in your light we shall see light. It's when God shines His light upon us that we truly see the intents, the motives of our hearts, those secret areas, the secret faults, the sin of pride, the sin of jealousy, the sin of selfish ambitions. That's why David cries out to God and he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, my anxieties, my fears. And see, he says, if there is any wicked way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. In another psalm, he prayed again, saying, in Psalm 19 and verse 12 and 13, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. He says, how would I discern the waywardness of my heart? Question mark. Lord, forgive my hidden flaws whenever you find them. Keep cleansing me, God, and keep me from my secret, selfish sins. May they never rule over me. For only then will I be free from fault and remain innocent of rebellion. You see, David was aware of his waywardness, aware of his selfishness, and he often judged himself before God, pleading for his grace, 
his mercy and his forgiveness. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. How do you cleanse yourself from filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit? Simple. Judge yourself and acknowledge your sin before God and ask for his forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there are not only sins of the flesh which are easily visible, easily discerned, but according to the scripture, there are also spiritual sins which are not easily detected, discerned, because they're not visible. Spiritual sins such as pride. Very difficult to discern pride. You may discern it in others, but very difficult to discern it in ourselves. Envy, bitterness, unforgiveness, and the like. Scripture says in Hebrews 12 and verse 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. These are the sins of the Spirit. They're hidden inside. Nobody can detect them. And unless God shines His light upon us, we won't be able to see those things that are hidden deep within. One particular area that we need to pay attention and judge ourselves is also in the area of selfish ambitions, the motives of our hearts that are not pure. We must strive, according to the word, for purity of soul and mind when it comes to what motivates us in doing what we do. The Bible says, without holiness, no man can see God. So let us not be deceived. For example, many are following the Lord while having selfish and impure motives. What do I mean by that? They will use the Lord to get what they want. And when they don't get what they want, they walk away from Him. As I've heard one say that we treat the Lord like we treat the politicians. They promised us they would give us certain things and they don't, so we're going to vote for another party. Now, these are the type of people who come to the Lord, but the motives are not pure. Why? because they seek the Lord for what they can get from Him. And that's the only reason they follow Him. They follow Him for the blessing. Now, they follow Him, but they do so with conditions. And when those conditions or expectations are not met, many of them will walk away offended with God. And many, not just a few, many in the house of God today have walked away from God in their heart due to an offense, an offense that came about because of an answered prayer, an offense that came because of an unfulfilled expectation. They were expecting certain things to happen, 
And because they didn't, it didn't happen or they didn't get an answer to their prayers or God didn't do what they expected him to do and how he expected him to do it, they got offended. Unfulfilled expectations. They might still be in church, but the hearts have drifted away from God due to an offense. They were on then. The, now they were not in it for the glory of God, but they were in it for their own benefit. And God said to His covenant people in the book of Deuteronomy, that He would bless them, that He would give them houses they did not build, that He would give them vineyards that they did not plant, and He would give them wells they did not dig up. But He also gave them a warning, and He said to them, Beware that when you possess those things that I've promised you, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who gave them to you and you begin to serve other gods. Well, according to the word of God, it didn't take them long to go astray after they received his blessings. They fell away from God and they went to serve other gods and as a result they were judged severely. Their backsliding revealed the true motives of the heart. Very often our hearts, the motives of our heart will be revealed in the fire, in the test. When we have an unmet expectation, when an unanswered prayer, the, the motives of our hearts will come to the surface. And that's when we need to judge ourselves. You see, these folk, they did not serve the Lord because they loved him, but they served him for what he would do for them. In the New Testament, we see the same example. Multitudes daily followed the Lord Jesus simply because of the benefits they received from him. He fed them when they were hungry. He healed them when they were sick, and he met all of their needs. They didn't follow him because they loved him or because they believed who he was, but because of the blessings they received from him. And we also need to examine our motives. Why do we do what we do? Do we follow the Lord because we truly love him and he's worthy of our love, whether he answers our prayers or not, whether he meets our expectations or not? Do we follow the Lord because we love his presence or do we follow him because of what we can get from him? In our relationships, we need to examine ourselves as well, not just with the Lord, but with other people as well, with brothers and sisters, as well as people outside of the church. Do we relate to people because of what we can get from them or because of what we can offer them. Having a pure soul means that we are free from all these selfish ambitions, free from impure motives, free from the love of money, and most of all, free from the sin of pride. Why do we pray? For example, why do we give? Are we endeavoring to please men or God? 
The Pharisees also gave and they also prayed, but they did so for the praise of men, the Bible says, and not for the praise of God. Things that, for instance, we should have been doing, yet we have omitted to do them. For example, we could have prayed more, we could have given more, we could have loved more, we could have supported and helped others in need more, but we didn't. And we need to judge ourselves in those areas. Say to the Lord, for example, with a repentant heart, Lord, I judge myself for my lack of prayer. I judge myself for my lack of hunger for the things of God. I'm not as passionate as I ought to be about soul winning. Not diligent in giving as I ought to be. Not compassionate enough for those who are in need of my help. I judge myself for this and I repent. God loves to hear us judging ourselves. In other words, we face up to our shortcomings, our failures. We take responsibility for who we are. And as we do that, the Bible says that we will avoid the judgment of God. Now, if we desire to be healed and restored in every area of life, this is the way I believe God is instructing us to do it. There is healing and complete deliverance and restoration in us receiving communion, but we need to receive it according to the instructions the Lord has given us by His Spirit. Examine ourselves, judge ourselves, turn from our selfishness, and then partake of the cup of blessing. Here is a verse of Scripture that is as valid today as it was in the day that God spoke it to Solomon. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from the wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and heal the land. And as a church, we need to take responsibility that the healing of the land is not dependent on the sinners, it is not dependent on the government, but it is dependent on the people of God. It is dependent on the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we follow God's instructions in the above verses, we will see the healing and the restoration of our land as well as the restoration of ourselves as well as our families. I believe that many within the house of God today are being judged and they're not even realizing it. And we need to take responsibility. And, and especially as ministers of the gospel, we need to teach all along those lines. People need to know. And I pray that the Lord will grant us mercy as we seek His face in prayer and repentance, turning away from those things that displease the Lord so that we can serve God with a willing mind and the loyal heart.
We see from the example of the Corinthian church, they failed to do that. They put up with their sin. They tolerated it. They, they were soft on their sin. And as a result, the Apostle Paul said, many are sick, many are weak. And I believe he's talking about spiritual weakness. And many have even died prematurely. I have heard from ministers of the gospel, and I've heard examples where, where prophets went to them, and they warned them, said, if you don't judge yourself in these areas, God will judge you. Many of them have died prematurely because they failed to judge themselves. And God says when, when that happens, is not that God is is for he is judging us for the saving of our souls, for our good, so that we may come back to him. In fact, Paul said to the Corinthians, take that person who's living in an open sin and put him outside of the fellowship so that he can see that he can come to terms with his sin, repent, and when he does repent, receive him back into fellowship again. So God will do that so that we may be partakers of his holiness. Amen? So this is one of the principles, or one of the values of the kingdom of God that we need to pay close attention to. Not just when we take in communion, but in our daily walk. We need to face up to some of the things that, 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 that grieve the Spirit of God. As I said, one of the forms of God's judgment is that God withdraws his presence from us. Take, for example, Samson. Samson thought he could live any way he wanted to, got mixed up with Delilah, violated the laws of God, and for a long time he got away with it. But there came a day when the Philistines came upon him, and the word of the Lord says he did not know he was not aware that the presence of God had departed from him. He thought he could shake his enemies and destroy them like he did before. But he got a nasty shock. The presence of God withdrew from him. And you know the story. They blinded him and they took him captive. Amen? Are you listening to me, folks? This is an area that we must pray into and take responsibility. So let us pray. Let, let us take a few minutes and bow before the Lord and, and search. Ask Him to search our hearts. Can we pray? Father, we, we thank You for Your Word today. We thank you that though it is not a pleasant word to receive or to hear, we believe that this is a word from you because it's written. You are giving us instructions. You are counseling us and admonishing us that we should not take lightly our sin or our selfishness, that we should take responsibility along those areas where we grieve your Holy Spirit and not be soft, but judge ourselves severely in those areas and repent so that we may receive your grace, your forgiveness, and your mercy. 
Your word encourages us to come boldly to the throne of grace and be open and be transparent and be sincere for your love truth, your word says, in our inward part. By your spirit, enable us to do that. And in your light, O Lord, we pray that we would see light. We thank you for your word and we bless you in Jesus' name. This morning after I ministered the word in our church, somebody came up to me and said, Pastor, can I share a dream that I had with you? I said, go ahead. He said, last night I had a dream that I walked into a, a big room and there was an angel standing there. And I could sense that in that room was the presence of God and when I came into the room, my feet started burning beneath me. And the angel said to him, you can't come in here into the holy presence of God without examining yourself and repenting. Step outside, repent, examine yourself, judge yourself, then come back into the presence of God. And he said he did that. And it was, I say to him, I believe that was a dream from God that is biblical and scriptural because nowadays we have this hyper-grace teachers that teach that we could live any way we want to since Jesus paid for our sins, past, present, and future. We can live any way we want to. God understands our sins have been forgiven. Jesus paid for them. That is false. Without repentance, there is no forgiveness, my friend. And that is what the Bible teaches. So I wanted to share this truth, this principle with you today. And I trust that you have been blessed. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.